Hello parents, welcome to Raising Leaders. All right, today I present the concluding part of War at Home, Sibling Rivalry. If you haven't listened to parts one and two, I encourage you to go and do that first before listening to this one or or after listening to this one. Uh, So you can get the full picture. All right, so I promise to bring back a couple, a few more points um, as I conclude this topic. And the points that I have today, I have about three or four. We'll see how far we can go. But the first thing I want to talk about is the psychology of the middle child or how the middle child thinks. Part of how they think, obviously, we don't have time to, to, to say everything here. So in the previous um, episode, I talked about the way the firstborn think and the lastborn. And I talked about how you want to be careful not to put the firstborn under, you know, too much pressure and not to be too lax with the lastborn. So now let's talk about the middle child. Now I am a middle child and I want to tell you how I felt and how some of the kids that I've worked with and and my own children or my own middle child felt um, when he was growing up. And I think the biggest or the most important part of what a middle child is thinking that you want to take to heart is the fact that many of them feel neglected. And it's understandable, isn't it, if, as I mentioned in the last episode, most firstborn get, you know, too much attention and then the last, for for a different reason, and the last one also get a good amount of attention also for a different reason. And so somewhere along the line, the middle child is almost, almost forgotten. And then they're not. But that's how they feel. That's how I felt. And I believe that's how my son, my middle child felt. So again, you want to be careful to um, watch that or watch out for that in your middle child and make sure that, you know, they're not deprived of attention um, as you give a lot more attention to the first or the last born. All right. Um, So the second point that I want to talk about is encouraging a fair fight or teaching them how to fight fairly. You know, because you can't totally uh, stop the kids from fighting. They're going to fight. They're going to fight because they're going to disagree when two people or two or more people uh, occupy the same space. There will be disagreement. And that happens everywhere. It happens in marriages. It happens at work. It happens everywhere. Because what is going on is once you have two people in a, the same space, then they're fighting for authority. They're fighting for recognition. They're fighting to be heard. You know, once, you know, there, there's more, more than one person competition sets in that's how the world systems are created for competition but you want to recreate things in your own home and this is what i mean help your children define what fight is if you define fight as disagreement which means there'll be times that you and i are not going to be on the same page 
there'll be times that I will not see things the way you're seeing it. All right. But if they understand that that's a normal thing and there's a way to do it and a way not to do it, then you can, you know, then remove the bickering or, you know, the ugly fights that occur sometimes between siblings. So there are rules. And I'm going to share my example in my own home. When my kids were growing up, we had a rule for fighting. You could never, never lay your hands on your sibling. That was the biggest rule, number one rule. The boys knew. I mean, again, we did it more with the boys and with the girl. And then we realized we had to go back to the girl too because once she realized that the boys would never touch her, you know, we had a few times they had altercation and she extended her hand um, at them. But we then had to establish the fact that not raising your hand at the other person is a thing of respect and respect is mutual. So if the boy understands that I must not raise my hand against you and the girl understands the same thing, then you remove that. And the two boys understand that they can disagree without hitting each other. My sons never, they have never. And my first is in his mid twenties and my second son is in his early twenties and they have never raised their hands at each other. It just never happened because we didn't allow it. We showed them that you can disagree without being physical. And so as parents, you have to set that example. You know, you have to set that example. You have to show them, you know, by two of you, never raising your voice at each other in their presence, you know, never never them you know being able to hear you raise your voice at each other or or raise your hands at each other it has to come from you so when you establish that understanding and you help them create rules of of engagement if you like so if we're disagreeing we're, dis- we're disagreeing on ideas on ways of doing things not because i don't love you it's granted that I love you, but because I love you, I will still have times when I disagree with you, you know, regardless of the fact that I love you. So, but once love has been established and you parents have to do it, say time and time and time again, help them create a rule, you know, or a set of rules for fighting. How do we fight? You know, we don't raise our voices at each other we wait for the other person to speak you know understand what they're saying hear them from their point of view and then express our point of view so so you you help them create it create it for them and you would see that this begins you know to really work and you have less arguments in your home i mean you will have arguments but they will not result into ugly ugly fights or altercation Lastly, well, well, I mean, again, remember to be the example. So I have one more point, uh, maybe two. Uh, The third point that I want to talk about is helping them find themselves. Um, In the earlier episodes, I talked about how you mustn't compare children. You know, one of the ugliest things that parents say to their children is, why can't you be like? And this is what they hear outside. This is perhaps what would happen in school. You know, 
where they compete for positions in sports and, you know, even classwork. There's a lot of competition out there. When they graduate and start working, there's competition at work. You want to create a home where there's no competition, where everybody is viewed on their own merit. You want to help them understand that they are not racing against each other, but they are racing against themselves. So in other words, you race to beat your last record. You're racing to beat your last record, not to beat your sister or your brother, not to be better. So take away as much as possible that word from your vocabulary in your own home, better. No, because nobody is better than the other on the whole. They could be better in some area than the other person, but the other person is also better in some area, you know, than they are. But that doesn't make them better than the person. So you want to be careful that when you, even when you use the word better, you're using it in terms of um, maybe something they do or they know how to do, you know, better than the other person. But that doesn't make them better as a person. You, as the parent, have to help them clarify that because that's the impression they will get, especially once they start school. That's the impression they're going to get because that's the impression they're getting outside. That's the impression most schools create in them on the outside. Um, and even when they, they, get, they become older and they start working, that's how people are, you know, evaluated. Who is better? Who is first? Who is second? There shouldn't be that in your home. Once you as a parent can, you know, successfully uh, create an environment where the children are free to be themselves and not, you know, try to be like their brother or like their sister, then you will have more success. All right. So sometimes when children have low self-esteem, I've worked with children with low self-esteem before, it's actually coming most times from the parents. Maybe the, the parents inadvertently have pitched them against one another or against some other child, even on the outside. So as a parent, you want to be very, very careful to choose your words carefully because it does, it could, these words could do damage, uh, quite a bit of damage on your children's psyche. It could damage their self-esteem. I mean, I don't know why... A child of 10 or even 9 would have low self-esteem. But I've worked with a couple of them one-to-one and, and I believe that it's really from the communication of the parents. Alright? If you need help, sometimes uh, families need help to pull their children from this stage, this, you know, state of really, really low self-esteem where they now become uh, um, prone to bullying in school and all of that. So, so please watch carefully. If your child needs help in this area, you must get professional help to help them. Um, I think the last point that I have here is um, about going back. I, I mentioned a bit about that in the last episode. Don't be afraid to go back. For those of us that have older children, there may be uh, a need for you to go back to your son, your older son in their late teens or, or 20s and ask them what they thought 
about your parenting when they were small? What mistakes did they think you made? Or what would they have wished you did differently? Don't be afraid to do that because you remember I mentioned in the last episode, it's never too late to correct the wrong impressions. And you must try to do that. I did that with my children. Um, and, and, and they told me, you know, things that they wished I'd done differently. My daughter, for instance, said to me, I wish you had been more present emotionally with us. Yes, you were there with us physically, but we didn't feel your emotion you were distant and I can't get into the reason why that had happened with with my family right now Um, but I had to go back to say this was why that was happening and I'm sorry I'm sorry forgive me parents must never feel too proud to be vulnerable for the sake of their relationship with their children this is really really important perhaps in the future i will do a, a podcast on you know relationship with your older children with your adult children because you know sometimes most times there's need to go back um and correct some impressions that may have been created when they were when they were young all right this is all i have now again please let me know your thoughts about this podcast let me know how they're helping and if there's a topic you like me to talk about please send it send me a a voice note or an email my details are there on the on the uh, channel you can pick all my details and and get in touch and let me know how this is touching you um lastly we also have a prayer group of mothers, also called Raising Leaders, where we pray on how to raise our children as, as leaders. And if you would like to join this, this group on WhatsApp, also let me know. Uh, this is where I stop. Thank you for listening and happy parenting. God bless.